Grant, welcome to the 3180. I don't even know what episode this is. This is this is the COVID, the coronavirus episode number one. Calling to check in on you, and and I see through Facebook and otherwise that you've been uh, real integral in uh, Shreveport.biz and been kind of boots on the ground with the um, with the city of Shreveport, with the mayor's office, and with a lot of local businesses. So tell us uh, tell us what's going on out there, man. Yeah, man. It's been thanks for having me. It's, it's good to hear y'all's voices, and uh, uh, it, it has been a Terrible and wild couple weeks, uh, but you know we all try to get through it in our own way. And, and my way, uh, I, I think my natural reaction is just to start consuming information and talking to people. So the last couple of weeks, that's what I've been up uh, late at night doing and, and uh, talking to business owners, reading uh, everything that I can coming down the pipe from, from the federal and state, local government, and. and uh, just trying to work through it. It, it has been uh, unimaginable uh, day by day chain of events, uh, just from a business owner perspective, but also um, as a citizen and a and a dad and a, and a husband. So uh, lots going on, but but lots to talk about, and, and uh, a few, I think, a few glimmers of hope as well. So thank you all for having me. Yeah, well, thanks for being here, and um, I, I think you're going to be a, a much more informed on, especially the legislative topics from the state and the federal level than than I've been and that Thomas has been. So, let's start on the on the hyper hyper local scene, and especially something you know well, Twisted Root and Jacklands. Yeah, um, you're an owner of one and a part owner of the other one, and uh, and you guys were the first ones to get hit. The service industry folks, the restaurants, were the first ones to be told they had to close down. You know, how did that impact you, and, and how did you take it, and what did you do? Yeah, so we started, even before the, the state mandate from Governor Edwards, we were down leading into this, uh, I guess, a week before the closures. Uh, by that Wednesday, our business was down 30 40%, and down 50% by the weekend. And then um, over the last couple of weeks since the closure mandate, um, we're down probably in the 60 to 70% region and when i say down i mean over this time last month or, or same week last year and, and for I, i've talked to probably 40 or 50 restaurant owners mainly local but also some across the south and they're all basically seeing those numbers um there, there's other restaurants that um uh, that are exceptions uh, certainly some were, were forced to close and then others are doing quite well um the, the drive-through chick-fil-a's Raising Cane seems to be doing well. Uh, some some other national chains, but as far as a local uh, one-off restaurant perspective, I think that down sixty to seventy percent is probably what you would find. Uh, yeah, that is absolutely brutal. It's um, terrible. So, like the Twisted Root, we were you know I've been pushing to, to go. Has been delivery has been a national trend. We've all seen with the delivery companies and and all the rest of it. And some food is better served to go than others. Um, Piece is probably, you know, the best that we all grew up uh, with that concept, maybe not even realizing. So we were, Twisted Root, we were already a, um, on all six local delivery apps. I just kind of said, back with us, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do all of them and let the best one rise to the top. So, I mean, we, we just kind of pulled that lever and uh, that's the, you know, that has, has become uh, what was you know, to go maybe 10% of my business now, of course, for me and everybody else is 100%. Uh, it's just a matter of how much of that uh, dine-in traffic can you replace with to go. And so um, that's the, 
kind of the map that, that all the local restaurants are, are looking at. Uh, and you know, if, if you're a if you're a fine dining steakhouse, it is it is much harder to replace that than if you were already selling pizzas in a box. Um, and, and then there's everybody in between. Yeah, th- what this has got me thinking about is is the business model of the restaurant, especially a lot of the fine dining concepts in town rely heavily on their alcohol sales. To uh, com- I mean, what what seems to be an expensive fifteen dollar menu item has. You know, fifteen twenty dollar menu item has what eighty percent cost into it. Not to mention the labor of the employees to make it on the plate. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, they're, they're selling all their alcohol has to be at a substantial markup for the for the business to operate. And when when you can't have anybody in there selling alcohol, I mean, you can sell a your marked up bottle of wine, but nobody's going to buy it because they can go to the liquor store to do that. Um, you know, it's really hard for these restaurants that rely on on that. Do you see a difference between Jacqueline's lunch crowd? You know, you don't sell alcohol at Jacqueline's versus Twisted Root, where a lot of people like to come in there and drink craft beer. Yeah, um, and for Jacqueline's, it's, you know, that's 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 a diehard customer. A lot of those customers have been coming for 40 years, and so we've had some customers that have actually come every single day since this stuff happened, uh, and we love them for that. And we've had some customers who own offices and stuff that, that are still working, give us some office orders. But a lot of our clientele still is, is much older and they've been you know, rightfully so, uh, more reticent to, uh, you know, to come pick up in the early days or, or get it delivered. Um, but, yeah, the, the alcohol piece is, is uh, you know, probably 15 to 20% of my business typically at Twisted Root. And, and uh, th- that's a, it's, it's gravy for many restaurants because you, you've got the overhead of the business. Food is, is uh, paying the bills for the rent, the employees, and everything else. So that incremental sale on a draft beer or a glass of wine, um, the, the vast majority of it falls straight to the bottom line. And, and so you're right, you certainly lose that. And, um, it's, it's, you have one, one fewer lever to pull on um, as far as the alcohol goes. Um, so it's, the state, various states have handled that differently. Some states have been much more lenient, allowing bars to, to uh, turn into delivery Um you know, companies themselves or allow bars to sell food out the bar. If they had a kitchen the weekend, it's been a, uh, quite a bit more strict in, in certain circumstances. Um, the, the bars are hurting even in those other cities, but they're especially hurting here when they when most of them have been, you know, effectively had to shut down completely. Well, um, if you're a bar owner or a restaurant owner, um, what are your options at this point? What have you What have you gleaned from uh, talking to state reps or reading what you've been reading every night? What um what can they do to to either get through the storm or on the back end of the storm? What can they do to try to recoup? Yeah, so a restaurant is there's um, there's some simple math that I tried to do early. I think all restaurants all restaurant owners have have forced themselves to do is basically look at your what is typically your variable cost in your labor. All of a sudden, it becomes a fixed cost number because. When your sales drop 70%, you're just looking at what are the, you know, in, in many cases, what are the fewest number of people that it takes for me to run this kitchen? And so if that number is three or four employees, whatever you can pay them, plus your salary cost of your managers, whether you're keeping them on a full salary or many restaurants, but you're still trying to keep as much of your core staff as possible. So you have to pay for that labor, and then you have to pay for the cost of that food, and then you have to pay for whatever percentage your delivery companies are, are taking up. 
they all take about 30% off the top. And so you, there's still a sales number you have to hit or else it's actually costing you more to, to be open than to close. And so what I had predicted and what you're starting to see happen, uh, especially in the last few days, is that almost every restaurant tried to stay open and then many of them are closing because they can't hit that, that threshold um, to make it worthwhile to stay open or they don't feel comfortable staying open they, from a health perspective due to how their business was set up or any combination thereof. So um, I, I don't know what percent of restaurants uh, have closed, but um, it's a substantial number, whether it's 10 or 15 or 20 percent, maybe more uh, due to the regulations. Uh, and, and as we go on, I anticipate that number to grow. Uh, the bars are basically 100% closed, um, which is super unfortunate because they have the same the same goals as the restaurant owner has is to just keep their employees, you know, support their employees in every way that they can and be creative. Certain bar owners have catering licenses where they can go cater private events and things like that, which are also obviously shut down too. And so... You're seeing some bar owners be creative and sell uh, bonds or uh, or gift cards at a discount or buy you know buy a drink now and we'll redeem it for you later. Uh, Chase Boyd, my friend of mine, was creative and, and got down at his bar and, and uh, videoed himself with doing an old fashioned on the video and, and did a uh, basically like a GoFundMe that, that went toward his employees. So people are being as creative as they can, but the, the simple economics of all this just makes it you know, pretty devastating for uh, the hospitality sector. Yeah. Yeah. The service industry is just going to take a huge hit and probably going to have to lean out uh, all across the country, to be honest. I mean, we, you know. Yeah. I mean, we were over, and I think many American cities were overpopulated with, with restaurants and bars. It's in a town like Shreveport. It's, it's a fairly low cost barrier of entry. We've got lots of real estate uh, that you can go into or the cost of land, even if you want to build a, a restaurant that's still cheaper to do that here than it's been in many cities. And so as a result, we have a, a ton of, of competition and with a, with kind of a flat economy. So this will, this will thin out for many, many, not just restaurants, many, many types of industries. Those that do make it on the other side will do so with, with fewer competitors. I think that's something that, um, it's a common theme that I'm starting to hear people talk about. But, you know, the biggest thing is just that there's, a million restaurants in America, 15 million restaurant employees. And, you know, how many of those employees are going to have restaurants to, you know, go back to after we resume some sense of normalcy? What, what have you heard about the, uh, there's a, a, a payroll subsidy yeah. or tell me more about that. So, um, I think we all know about the, the, uh, stimulus, uh, checks that, that will be issued by the IRS into taxpayers' bank accounts. And that's to every man, woman, and child in America. Uh, there's some limits based on income. But uh, there have been two big business packages that have come out um, over the last week or so. And that's what I've really, really been trying to read up on and, and understand. And it's still so new that even the local banks don't 100% know how this is all going to play out. But um, the SBA is one piece of that. The Small Business Association has been around for many years. And when you see earthquakes or big, you know, tornadoes, hurricane, natural disasters, they have these economic injury disaster loans, which are designed to 
uh, help businesses get back on their feet that typically have been impacted by a, uh, a terrible thing in a small ge- or relatively small geographic area. Well, basically, the entirety of America has now been considered a disaster zone. And so the SBA has beefed up this program. In, in short, it is a 3.75% 30-year loan that a business can get. And um, they can use that toward a variety of uh, expenses from utilities to mortgage interest and rent and payroll. Well, and that's a, that's a great thing for the businesses that are going to basically try to recapitalize themselves and prepare for the next year or two. But what the government also realized is that a business like a restaurant had it is on typically a 10% profit and they're month to month. They don't have multiple months of, of cash in, in their bank account to weather a storm like this. Their sales have gone to zero. So they need money now to try to recoup the, the last month and, and potentially the next month of zero sales. And so the government created through the CARES Act a paycheck protection program. So they will take the average monthly payroll of a business and they will give you 10 weeks worth of payroll cash. And over the following eight weeks, if you spend that money on payroll or rent or utilities or mortgage interest, they will completely forgive that money that they have given you. So, it's basically a grant of 10 weeks worth of uh, payroll to a, to a small business. And, what are, what are, the uh, are there, are there certain qualifications for that? Or do you know where you could direct it's, people it's to get the qualifications? I mean, it's the, so the FBA loans are still being administered by the FBA and you can apply for that online, uh, which I've done. And, and, uh, it's going to be a, looks like a multi-week waiting period to, to get uh, in touch with a loan officer that will actually get you those funds. The PPP, the, the eight-week uh, forgivable loan, is administered by any SBA-approved local lending institution, which is basically every bank in Shreveport. So it's designed for businesses to go to their local bank, local lender that they already have a relationship with. And that is supposed to be a very quick same-day application, funds deposited same-day into your account. And I've talked to a couple different local bankers that, um, as of today and yesterday, are getting all that rubric and, and the portal and everything's getting set up by the government. And by the end of this week, they're supposed to have the mechanism in place to start lending out that money. Well, that's, that's good news. Um, yeah. I yeah I mean, if they program. can pull it off, if they pull it off as fast as they say they they will, and, and they'll have to because every day there's businesses in America that are closing, whether they realize it or not, will never reopen. And so they know that this is a race against the clock. You've got what I'm calling the greatest first of the month in the history of the modern economy coming up tomorrow, April 1st, when you've got rents and insurance premiums and mortgages and vendor invoices all coming due as they do every month. Um, and so the government knows that time is of the essence. And so I, I hope it'll be as quick as they say it will, especially for the smallest of, of small businesses that are, that are truly on a, you know, days, not weeks situation of cash flow. Well, you know, a, a lot of businesses are operational uh, like that. Small margins, uh, not a lot of cash in reserve. Um, you know, mom and pop shops left and right. Yeah. And yeah. then I, I can't remember the statistic that I heard the other day, but, you know, most a large percentage of Americans couldn't come out of pocket $450 for like an emergency car repair 
And, you know, most of them, most, most of Americans have more credit card debt than they have in savings. So mm-hmm. you, you, not just the businesses closing, but the employees of those businesses that are trying to get ahead on their student loans or trying to catch up on their credit card debt or trying to build some savings, whatever steps they've taken towards that. I mean, yeah, there's just a whole lot of folks out there that are employed that, that, completely. Are, yeah. that are completely out of money right now. So, um, what, uh, I've I've seen you on Facebook doing a lot of good things in Shreveport. Um, you and a couple other folks were at, um, I believe, a, maybe a Willis Knighton Hospital recently. Yeah, we a friend of a friend of mine, uh, Billy and Clyde Hargrove, been on Hargrove Roofing. They have been um, old Shreveport family been involved in in business and in philanthropy, and and uh, these two brothers started a roofing company a, a few years ago, and uh, they wanted to give back. They of course, know a lot of restaurant owners in town. They called me and, and Cassie and Mark and Pizza Rev and said, hey, if we buy a bunch of gift cards from y'all, would you be interested in matching that amount where we could really amplify and get a large dollar value and top those up into uh, hundreds of gift cards and then we'll go around, we'll pick five hospitals and go to a hospital a day over five days and, and give out these gift cards to the doctors, nurses, and staff, and just to let them know uh, that we're thinking about them. And I, we both said, yeah, that sounds like an awesome idea. So we collectively did uh, $5,000 worth of gift cards. And, uh, I think they were $10 and $20 gift cards. And so we were able to go to five different local hospitals and, and uh, hopefully make a little bit of an impact, not really as much with the, the dollars as it was, just a gesture to say, hey, these these local business owners and, and their employees and staff are thinking about y'all and we thank you for what you're doing. And, and you're starting to see more and more of that. There's a lot of creative ways that people are coming together. Cause I mean, in a tough time is when you need it the most, but it's when you've got the least to give uh, when all these small business owners are hurting too, but you're starting to see lots of creative ways where restaurants and retailers and other small businesses are figuring out ways to, to let these uh, front lines of these medical staff, just know that they're thinking about them. So that's what we yeah. did. And it, well, great work. Know, that, well, it was fun and, and it felt good. I mean, that was the hardest week in my life, but at the same time, it felt great doing it. And I'm so glad that the timing worked out where we were able to get out and, and just thank these people. And they're super stressed and, and you know, they really appreciated it. Yeah, I, I've liked what I've seen out of Great Raft and Bob too. Yeah. Bob's, uh, Bob's first uh, raffle for what, like a, Sixty or seventy dollar bottle of bourbon raised forty five hundred dollars. That was awesome. Yeah. It was totally just. I mean, that's. I don't know. I was. I was very impressed. And I. I mean, I only put like ten bucks towards that. But I was. Um, man, I don't know. That that's a great idea to have to uh, to raffle stuff off because I mean we can't get together. We can't throw a party and that's charge yeah. ticket prices. Well, is you there know, you did? is there any place that you can like uh, see like what what all these people are doing or is that just Facebook or how's that? How's that getting out there? It's really Facebook, and I've seen there's a 318 uh, East or 318 Curbside East. East. That's a Facebook page that, you know, one or two local citizens created as a landing spot. But it's been a birthplace of some of these ideas and events. And, you know, Kathy Ross um, has been uh, active on there and, and some other people organizing some of these gift campaigns where, they, they set up a, a PayPal or a place where you can donate, and that pot of money goes to a local restaurant that they then use to cater to a floor of a hospital. And that's a really cool model that you're seeing where you can help 
the restaurant and the hospital simultaneously. Uh, so that, that's a place I would recommend people go to kind of learn more, see what's going on. 318 Curbside East. I've seen, uh, there's, there's been a lot of activity on that Facebook page in the last week. Um, so on, on, in a broader sense, uh, I, I know you've been in touch with uh, state representatives. Is there anything in the pipeline on a statewide level or any, any plans? Well, I'll say um, they, so besides the, the um, crisis at the moment, which is just the, the health crisis of the hospitals, they are starting to turn their eyes to the, the terrible budget deficits that the states and the local municipalities are going to have. And I think that's the, the, the next stimulus or one of the next stimulus that will be talked about is just you're looking at austerity and budget cuts, the likes of which we have never seen um, because of the sales tax shortfall that you see when you shut an economy down. So for Louisiana, in the period of a couple of weeks, you had oil go from 60 to 20. You had every casino shut down. You had, you know, basically every restaurant and bar shut down in the hospitality state, every hotel. What does that do to your sales tax line? It, it just blows a giant hole in it. So, um, yeah, I and mean, the city of New Orleans has been shut down for two weeks and probably oh, yeah. shut down for four weeks. I mean, that's, that's a huge economic engine from a tourist standpoint and a sales tax standpoint. Yes. I mean, how do you pay your, your uh, police and firemen and EMS and, and, and your hospitals and your, you know, schools and, and all that. So that's, that's going to be a, a really tough conversation. I'm sure the federal government will come up with something to, to help stimulate just like they have with citizens and small businesses. They're going to have to do the same thing to these municipalities. Um, you got the state buying ventilators for twice what they're normally worth, 50000 a pop with money they don't have. I mean, it's just, this can be really tough, but I'm hopeful that um, our legislators can come together and, and be smart and creative. And, you know, they're going to have to lean on the federal delegation to, to help out these states and, and these cities. I mean, Shreveport, we, we all know the, the state that Shreveport has been in, and, and with the recent budget, made some good headway of going from a couple days' worth of reserves to a couple months' worth of reserves. But um, you shut down every bar hotel, restaurant, casino, and street port, and, and just don't even want to think about what that does to the budget. Yeah. Well, what can a street port citizen do? Like, well, if, if the, you know, the small handful of folks that listen to this, um, if, they, if they're itching to do something, they're working from home, or maybe they're not working, maybe they're, you know, furloughed until, until further notice, like, what, what can they do if they don't have money to give? Obviously, if you've got money to give, there's plenty of ways to donate, but if, you know, if all you have is time on your hands, uh, what are you seeing citizens do around Shreveport that's benefiting um, the, the situation? Well, I'm seeing, I, I guess, two separate things. The first is, and, and what I try to stress to some people in the state and, and local government uh, and, and other business owners is just, we were talking earlier how every day is, is, is super important. You know, every, every day these business owners are having to make decisions and, and figure out how to stay open. So part of my goal has been trying to empower people with resources and information because if you can give a business owner an idea about, hey, call your lender and ask for a, a 30 or 60 day uh, deferral on your mortgage. Hey, call your your insurance uh, broker or, hey, here's, a, here's an option on the SBA and go ahead and get that started. If we can save 
if we can buy a business owner a few days, even worth the time, you know, the municipalities that do, a, that do the best job of educating their citizens and business owners are going to be the ones that, that best recover on the other side of this. So the first way I would just say is, just, you know, just, if, if you see a piece and nugget of good information, don't be afraid to pass that on to somebody that you think would, would need it. Uh, and then on the other side, I've seen a lot of, you know, Shreveport Plus with a ton of nonprofits to do great work. And so I'm starting to see citizens volunteer, trying to figure out how to get involved with their time, uh, running phone banks, um, connecting resources. And so whatever, if you're, almost everybody listening to this has at least one or two nonprofits that they're involved with, whether it's whether or not it's an answer that they're involved with their time. And so I would reach out to them and say, hey, how can I? I don't have time, but I've got money, or I don't have money, but I've got time. You know, both of those are valuable, valuable commodities right now. And, and uh, so you're starting to see a lot of the, the local nonprofits try to bridge the gap. Food is, is super important, not just on the restaurant side, but just feeding our most vulnerable citizens. And so you're starting to see local churches and food banks and uh, step forward and some other local nonprofits really get smart and creative. And uh, that's, that's been good to see because there are literally people that could be starving without these nonprofits coming together. Yeah, so in, in Pano Schools, uh, about a week, right, it's March 31st. I don't think I've established that yet. But the um, a week or so ago, a week and a half ago, they shut down the, the school meals. They, they, yep. they, and so so some of the nonprofits have stepped up to, to service their local you know, the, 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 the folks that, that are closest to the nonprofits, I think Common Ground is helping out Cedar Grove. Mm-hmm. Do you know any more about that? I know that um, Great Simple, uh, Bishop Brandon stepped up early as a distribution center. Um, and I know that there's some, some small restaurants and medium-sized restaurants in town that are taking uh, where, the, where the food bank has resources um, where they're, they're getting set up to be able to do you know, five or six hundred box launches in a day and then take them to the food bank they can send them disperse them. So I know on the I think the Periscope page has has that information about where those where those pickup points are located. Because now that they've kicked this out to the end of April, we all know and I think most of us in our guts have known that the school system is the school year is pretty pretty much done at this point. So this is gonna be an ongoing uh, need that we have. To, uh, to get our children fed, uh, and, I'm, and I'm glad to see that the logistics that are really, really tough at the state early on kind of cut all the red tape and said, look, whatever you need to do, you know, let's, let's get these kids fed. And so um, they, they have put that kind of back into the community, which I really like to see. I thought it was great that schools were, were pickup points, but the problem is a lot of these kids' parents I mean, the school bus is a transportation. So if you need a bus to get to school during a school day, like you need transportation to get to school, even when school's not in to get your lunch. And so they've kind of turned that around and then are putting the, the lunches into the community, the churches and community centers and other pickup points. And that, from what I've heard, that appears to be working. And I think um, that'll be a, a model that they'll, that they'll follow as long as they've got the resources to follow it. All right. What about Shreve.biz? Tell us about um, setting that up and working yeah. co-hab and working with the city government. I know you're integral in it as well. So what what is it? What can I find out if I go there? And uh, what was the impetus for its creation? 
so the impetus was exactly what we were talking about earlier. I, I was on a uh, got invited to participate in a, a, a Zoom early on uh, with uh, with some city leaders and nonprofit leaders, and just trying to be that voice for small businesses. And I stressed to them I said, exactly what we just talked about. Any time, any way that we can give a business some information that they don't have. We'll give them a, another few days of lifeline to say, don't give up. Here's, here's some ways that you can get some money in your pocket or get some creative ideas to where you can uh, potentially defer uh, some payments to give your business enough cash flow, enough lifeline to wait on Uncle Sam to come in and do whatever they're going to do. This conversation started um, the week of the, the 16th, I, I think. So this, you know, quite a few days before we really started hearing what, what the federal government was going to do. And so we we quickly realized that there was a lot of information out there, but unless you're plugged in and have plenty of time to, you know, your hair wasn't on fire, we really sit down and try to get all this information. We said, well, there, there needs to be something, a landing page where people can get information. But even more importantly, there needs to be a number of people can call local street porters, business owners, and others that can can speak to a human being that may not have all the answers, but can at least direct them and, and be a voice uh, on the other end of, uh, of the phone. And so this is a combination of, of Brandon uh, Fale in the mayor's office, economic developer, um, Darren Dixon, a fantastic guy who runs Southern University's uh, business incubation, of course, Jessica Cohab, uh, and then um, Taylor at the Shreveport Bossier African American Chamber of Commerce, and then uh, Tim Backer, who's been heavily involved on many fronts at the Shreveport Chamber. So all those organizations came together, and you can go right now to Shreve.com, and it will give you some FAQ uh, and some some links, some great information. But most importantly, it's got a phone number and a schedule now button where you can schedule a time, uh, a day and time of the week where you can call a number and speak to somebody that will be able to really answer questions and, and give you guidance on, um, you know, your small business and, and how to navigate this, uh, this crazy time that we're in. Well, great. Thank you for setting that up. Um, <clears throat> I'm sure it's a wealth of information for people who are in dire need of some information right now. I've also seen that uh, certain folks are trying to file claims on their uh, business interruption uh, portions of their insurance policy on their business, and a lot of these claims are getting denied. Yeah. Um, so, do you, do you have any information on that front? Well, that, that's a big legal challenge that that, that different uh, business owners and lawyers around the state and around the country are trying to file. There's a um, there's a, a a big case in New Orleans. A local restaurateur um, uh, is trying to, depending on your policy, sometimes the word virus not in there sometimes it says the word bacteria and so they're trying to have because most restaurants have business interruption insurance i have business interruption insurance i call my guy he says viruses aren't covered i said okay what about spoilage i've got a couple thousand dollars worth of draft beer i'm not going to be able to sell maybe some exotic meat in my fridge that i won't be able to sell because that's typically a dining item well your spoilage policy doesn't cover it because the item that causes spoilage the virus you know, the government shut down due to this virus. That's not covered either. So you've got a lot of people that have been paying high premiums for, for business coverage, and this thing's not covered. So, um, I, you know, we'll see if there may be some policies where they where they get a judgment uh, where, the, where the insurer has to cover that. But on, on a global scale, 
there's no way that the insurance industry can handle. Yeah. Um, I think it's $500 billion a month is what the business interruption would be if, if all the policies covered. It. I, I think, you know, without yeah. a government backstop on that. Yeah. And I, and I, I hate to speculate here, but as a, as a lawyer, but it takes the language of insurance policies from time to time. Um, there's going to be arguments on both sides of that. And there's going to be litigation for years over whether, you know, whether right. some of these, some of these, Business interruptions are contingent upon property damage or something. And they, but I, you know, if they had to pay one claim, they have to pay a lot. If they had to pay a That's lot, right. they, there'd be some insurance companies upside down. So um, anyway, I, I, I saw someone post on that on Facebook, and uh, I think Curtis Joseph is, is meeting with with folks and, and taking a look at their policies. And um, anyway, yeah, that, that's a that's a legal issue that will be argued for years, probably. It will be. It will be. So I would, you know, encourage people certainly that's, that's the direction they can go if they have that policy, but in the, in the immediate term, um, the, the, the SBA and Triple P uh, funding options that we talked about are, I, I think, good options for people to really dig into. If you don't have a banker uh, uh, or a lending institution you have a relationship with, uh, many CPAs and accounting firms, even some law firms uh, locally are, are really on this and just reach out to somebody and, and get some help because it can it can really alter the course of, of your small business but there's you know there's a lot of uh, things to consider as, as far as these loans and, and you need to go into it with eyes wide open but it's it's created to save the American economy and so um, if you fall into that bucket it's certainly something that, as a taxpayer you know we we all pay into these things and money doesn't come out of nowhere I mean it's, it's taxpayers you know, this American economy, and so it's just definitely something that people should not be bashful about, at least looking into and, and getting more information on. Well, absolutely. Well, um, I've taken enough time you uh, enough time from you today, but do you have anything else you want to share, or do you have any more information you want to pass along to anybody who's listening? Um, no, I think that's it. I appreciate your time, and just uh, Trueport has been. As we know, our city to be, it's been, I've seen the best of people. It's been great, um, you know, customers that are really looking out for you and fellow business owners. And, and uh, we certainly see that on uh, on social media, people reaching out and wanting to help and just uh, encourage people to keep their heads up and uh, stay involved and active and, and learn what you can. Don't be afraid to reach out to anybody and, and ask questions. And we will make it on the other side of this thing. Yeah, I agree with you 100. percent I think um, I think the, a, a, one of the numbers of fears that went around was that this was going to bring out the worst in people when people started hoarding toilet paper and whatnot. But what I've seen is it, it's really brought out a more conscientious behavior in, in interactions. I mean, obviously we're not doing a whole lot of interacting these days, but um, right. I've, I, the, the times I've gone into stores or restaurants, everything everybody wants, everybody hates see their, their friends or their restaurants that they go to on a regular basis struggle. Like it's hard to, hard to watch that. And, um, and I think we all in a small town like Shreveport kind of, you know, feel for each other. I think we, um, you know, I think uh, nobody wants to see businesses go out of business. Nobody wants to see their local neighborhood, but, you know, their favorite little restaurant go down. And um, I think a lot of, I, I've seen some of the best in people, honestly, some, some, some very uh, friendly conversations over the last week. And I hope, and take these lessons and go forward with them. Absolutely. I mean, it does give you hope and, and a kind of re, a renewed optimism about uh, people in general and, and uh, that small business culture in, in town is something that we all want to 
the point that we talk about on, on your show many times about one of the, the benefits of being in Shreveport is that, um, you know, big city, but small city at the same time. And, you know, your server, you know, the business owner. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's, uh, it's definitely a renewed sense of optimism that, that I feel just, just having those, those touch points with, with people and, and, uh, people just coming in and asking how you're doing and supporting any way that they can. And it definitely does not go unnoticed. Uh, you know, on, on behalf of the small business owners, certainly, uh, tell everybody out there, thank you and just keep doing what you can and we'll get through it. All right. Well, Grant Knuckles, thank you so much for, uh, being our, our guest on our first coronavirus episode, man. I appreciate your time and, uh, keep doing what you're doing. I know your, your restaurant isn't full capacity these days, but you seem to be busier than ever. <laughs> well, uh, I look forward to seeing y'all soon, hopefully, and we can have a, have one of those beers together. That sounds good, man. Take care of yourself. All right. Thank y'all.